Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Hired Geek Podcast, episode number 87 with Amanda Demamaral. Uh, so this is a really fascinating discussion, uh, a little bit of a longer episode, but all really great stuff, uh, trust me. And uh, yeah, so we get into uh, her work as the founder of Fiveable, um, helping students to be successful with advanced placement uh, AP exams uh, that you know they have for a variety of subjects students take to get uh, kind of credit for uh, college courses and the related subjects. So um, she really goes into kind of her really thoughtful approach to uh, kind of get uh, greater access to these exams so that students can uh, gain all of the benefits. It's kind of this, uh, you know, very unique system that exists right now. And, you know, she's working really hard to provide resources for students to be successful, um, to really empower students to be competent and uh, their academic abilities to uh, take these tests and be uh, successful. So really interesting stuff. We get into kind of a broader context as well of just kind of education, what's happening right now and how it's changing and evolving and what we're hoping to see uh, kind of moving forward from here. So I uh, really appreciate you checking out this episode. Appreciate Amanda for hanging out. Uh, but without further ado, this is episode number 87 with Amanda Duamberall. All right, so um, we will go ahead and get started. So uh, thank you so much, Amanda, for uh, jumping on to uh, hang out for the podcast here. Uh, this is a, just kind of good uh, serendipitous connection. Um, I know you are doing some really interesting work. Uh, this is especially timely um, as of the recording of this episode. But uh, before we get to any of that, um, if you just want to really quick give an introduction of yourself uh, and a little bit about your professional background and how you got to be where you are today. Yeah, um, really appreciate you having me on to talk about what we're doing. I, so my name is Amanda Doamaral. I am a, the founder of Fiveable, and what we do at Fiveable is um, we're essentially building a social learning network. And so we've really focused on AP students and teachers in the last few years, um, where we build communities, give students a chance to like work together, uh, and create content. So. We have things like live streams, trivia games, study guides, um, and ultimately it's kind of culminated in like a massive gamified review game uh, where kids are earning points for studying right now. And that's been kind of fun. So before Fiveable, I was a teacher. I taught ninth and 10th grade uh, history in Oakland, mostly AP classes. And um, before that, I was, well, I was in college in Boston. And so I spent really the last like... <laughs> almost actually it's been like more than 10 years in education in some capacity, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but it's, it's, you know, I think I've learned more as a teacher about education than I did as a student. And it just like really illuminates so many things about what my own experience was actually like that I've kind of grappled with since then. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, very different uh, learning about the system and then being like in the system, um, like firsthand yeah. seeing, you know, what I, yeah, how things actually work and like some of those friction points and different things. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, so you're bringing, you know, all that kind of K through 12, like firsthand teaching experience uh, to what you're doing now. So I guess just like maybe it kind of provide that like connective tissue of like, you know, when you made the transition um, and why this work was like so compelling and important um, for you to kind of make that, uh, make that leap. Yeah. So what happened was I, I was, so I was teaching in Oakland for, I taught there for five years and I'm, I'm really focused on building up the AP program because it was something that, that clearly was not built up for me. I, I was not, in APs. I didn't see myself as a part of it. Um, and then as a teacher, I all my student loans were kicking in and I was just realizing like, what was I doing? Like, all I had to do was take a test and then my loans uh -huh. could have been less. 
And so at my school, I it's one of the biggest public high schools in, in Oakland where I taught and it's incredibly diverse. But when I would walk into the AP world class, it was like 17 kids that did not look like the rest of the school, right? It was mostly the white students, even though the school itself had predominantly brown and black students. And so that was just like a really eye-opening moment of like, well, what can we do? How can we make sure that this is a bigger space for that all students truly feel welcome and are invited and can be successful. And so after, you know, five years of really building up the program, we we saw so much success in um, how we grew the number of students taking AP from 17 AP world students to over 100. And then also how we grew how many kids were passing from two AP world students to we had like 70 kids in my last year. And so it was just a massive jump that we saw just in AP world. And it was because we were doing things that were interactive and we gave the students a lot of voice and choice in, in the class. And it was a fun place to be. It was very much like it's us versus the exam, you know? Um, And so I left the school after the 16, 17 school year and just about six months out, I really didn't know what I was going to do after, but I kind of just needed a break. And um, I started getting emails from kids around December, January. Some of my former students just like, Miss D, you got to help us. We're all going to fail. We're freaking out. We haven't written an essay all year. They were dealing with a AP US history teacher that just was not as innovative as I was, I guess. And they were really feeling it. And so that initial request is really what sparked Fiveable because at that point I I just started live streaming. You know, I just was like, they need my help right now. I don't have time to record stuff. So I'm just going to live stream for them and see what we can talk about and how I can support them in a stream. And so we just started streaming on like Fridays and Saturday nights and kids started coming. And then word got out. I pushed it on, uh, you know, Reddit and Facebook groups and built up communities of teachers and students. And pretty quickly, it was not just about history anymore. It was, we need help in all of these other subjects. And so now we've really built up a really big creator team that uh, produces a lot of different pieces of content um, and have really focused on just the big questions around how can I, how do we bring students together in a way that, that empowers them to support each other and unlocks like completely new opportunities for them that it go beyond their, their school, right? It's not just about your, your four walls, like the zip code that you live in. Instead, like you can connect with a teacher anywhere. You can connect with students anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's really awesome. Yeah. I was seeing what you're working on because like, yeah, on one hand, it could be, you know, you're connecting with a student, you know, anywhere in the country to kind of normalize, like, yeah, you know, we're both feeling really anxious about this test or maybe struggling with similar things, but then also, you know, getting help from uh, sort of a near peer who, you know, maybe recently took the test and passed it or, you know, really, uh, you know, like great teachers who are willing to give their time and are, you know, committing to um, help out with these sort of things. Because I think, yeah, it's always been really interesting with the whole kind of, you know, advanced placement infrastructure as much as I've understood it. I personally did take the AP US history exam uh, way back when. And, you know, I did well and, you know, all nice. of that. But, you know, in hindsight, like, yeah, with the kind of things like you're talking about, it's, you know, um, 
you know, it really takes committed people, you know, working in schools to really um, encourage and kind of nudge, you know, tap students on the shoulder to say like, you know, you should take this, this is how it all works and all that. Like it does feel sometimes like it's very mystified or kept behind curtains, you know, and those sort of mm-hmm. things. And, you know, at the very least like helping, um, you know, uh, on your end, like helping students just to be able to be as successful as possible. Certainly, you know, that still relies a little bit on how well maybe you can kind of like, you know, market and kind of get the word out or just, you know, committed folks in schools across the country to be trying to build those spaces to, you know, um, you know, have the students take a course throughout, you know, um, their time, uh, in high school and stuff like that. Cause I know it's like, it's an interesting thing too. It's like, you don't have to like take any kind of course you could kind of just like study on your own. And I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. You could take an actual like course in high school, which is what I did throughout my entire, uh, senior year, which was also really great. Um, and, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just like when students get that kind of opportunity, yeah, it's like you could stack up a bunch of credits and go into uh, any college and be so much ahead of the game and, you know, help really with cost and finishing sooner and those sort of things. Like, you know, the the impacts can, and then like the results can be really, really positive. Yeah. It's, it's huge, right? Like you can, it's one test that will cost you 95 bucks, which is a lot for a high school kid and college board is making a killing on these. But that one test converts to thousands of dollars of credit each. And so I just, I wish that high school me understood the like financial power that that could have. Um, and then, and then also I think there's a lot to be said too, of just, just seeing yourself in an academically rigorous space. You know, I think like for a lot of students going through, you know, middle school, high school, you, you see AP and just like you said, it, it it does sometimes feel like this, like this space that you don't know anything about. It's like this mystery, right? Like you know, the <laughs> brain just thought of it as like, as like a speakeasy or something. Like it's yeah. some sort of speakeasy. You have to figure out the password. And then it's like, Oh my gosh, there's tests for all these things that I can get credit, you know, but like, if you don't know the password, then you're just sort of aloof and yeah. you know, you're worse off. That, it's, that's exactly what it look what it feels like. It's like, I, and when I was in high school, I saw it as like, that's, that's the space for the, like the smart kids. And I didn't really know how they got there or where, how I could get there, but, or even if I wanted to be there, you know, and, and it was just like kind of confusing. And then, and then even into college, right? Like it, it affects you because then if you don't see yourself in those spaces in high school, then what does college feel like? You know, what are you thinking about for college? Are you thinking that you can go, that you can be successful, that you belong in those spaces. And so taking an AP class, the way that I see it, it's like getting the college credit is awesome, you know, and that's that's something I want to support students in doing. But just taking the class and taking the test and knowing that you can do this, right? You don't need a password to be in here. You can get in here. You can do it. You can feel successful. You can be successful. All of those that kind of confidence building really can change the trajectory of a student, you know, where they may not have opted into rigorous classes before. They may not have seen themselves as going to college or being successful in college before. And then all of a sudden you, you experience some success that you thought was impossible. And you're like, actually, I, I could do this, you know? And that, that is what is so powerful about it um, that I see. And I think that is also why so many students want to help each other because it is like it does feel like this mystery but then once you see it once you get it then you it's like you want to show everybody else too 
you know, because you're like, this is, wait, guys, we can do this. You know, this is possible. And so I think that's, that's really what I saw so much in my own students um, and what they were asking of from me. It, it wasn't about, you know, me telling them some world history facts that they couldn't Google. It was, it was the confidence building. It was like demystifying the rubrics of the test in a way that mm-hmm. made it approachable and, as soon as I started doing that for world history, they were very, very quick to say, like, can you do this for chemistry, for calculus, you know? Um, right. And for me personally, those subjects still sound like mysteries. But yeah, right. Like there's teachers that can do that for you. And those are the when you think of the best teacher that you've ever had, that's who we can kind of bring on our platform and and lift up. And every student should have access to that teacher in any subject you know um and so that's that's kind of at the heart of it it's like what does it look like if all students truly had the same academic opportunities you know i think the world would just be a much different place yeah yeah and i think that yeah that core kind of mission and values of a you know fiveable and what you're doing and um yeah, I mean, that's a really good point, too, of what you're saying of just like the kind of academic confidence. Um, I think it's just a really important kind of subtext to kind of this whole experience of preparing, taking a test and um, all that. And, you know, yeah, it just sounds to me, too, like it's it can be supplemental to a student who is taking, you know, like a course uh, focused on an AP subject, uh, you know, it can be kind of supplemental and complementary to that. Or for so many students who may not have that you know, room in their schedule or they're not, there's not even any sort of option uh, at their school, then, you know, yeah, they, they figure out the password, they kind of get into the room, then they're like, great, awesome. You know, I can get this really high quality, you know, support and those sort of things. That's really great mm-hmm. that, um, you know, you, you have that, like that space for, for those who might not have it or for those who just maybe need a little bit extra if they already do even have space, they might just want something a little bit more like one-on-one or something. Yeah. And I mean, I think like just to like connect it to even just like adults, I hear I hear people say things all the time as adults of like, oh, I'm just not good at geography or I'm just not good at math, you know, mm-hmm. and like those phrases drive me insane because it's just like you you have you can, of course, have things that you don't like that you're not interested in. But the reason why you grab it, why you say that, why you think that you're not good at that is because you've had experiences before that have told you that right like some either someone told you that or your grades told you that or you felt like you just couldn't and so you've built up these walls right and I think we see that a lot with students especially students of color in like STEM for example right where or for girls in STEM like where you're just told like this is not something that you're good at or that you will be good at and so for kids, the, I think the most important thing as for a teenager is just to experience, experience the, the like rigor and experience the success in it. And that is what changes your mindset. You know, like I've tell, I talked to students a lot about this, like they're freaking out right now. Like we're obviously talking before the exams, but even after the exams, this conversation happens too, where it's like just taking the test, just just putting yourself out there and studying and taking the test, you are now better off than a whole percentage of students. Mm-hmm. So if you get a one, it doesn't, it's okay. It doesn't matter. You know, like, obviously I want you to get a five. I want you to get college credit. You want that too. But in the end, it's okay. You know, like none of us are, 
as adults, we know that those, the AP scores aren't going to, the score itself isn't going to change you all that much. You know, it's nice. It's awesome to have that college credit, but just the fact that you took the test that you knew that you could, you know, that's where, that's where things are going to change for them. And so it's just, I just try to like calm them down. They put a lot of pressure on one test score and it's just, you know, so what you get what you get. and, And I think after that, it's, matter of how you what you then do with it yeah well because yeah it's like you kind of like nothing's taken away you know like obviously there's like a dollar cost to like just like you know uh, get in to take the exam but like if i don't do it then i don't even have the chance to get anything you know so it's like yeah you're putting yourself out there you have that sort of opportunity and i mean yeah because the other thing i'm thinking of now too is like it is like you know, my brain loves metaphors. Like it is just like a way station, like a train stop on your journey through. Like if you don't get off, like you miss it. Like you can't be like, Oh, I'm in my second year of college. Let me go back and take the AP. Like, I guess maybe theoretically you could, but it just wouldn't make as much sense to do it that way. And I think like, so if you kind of miss that kind of window, then, you know, yeah, you're just sort of, you know, you're kind of backtracking and then like, it, it it's just more complicated. So, you know, that idea of like, Hey, you know, you're, you're getting into this right at the right time. And, you know, so many other people aren't doing this at all. You at least have the chance to have something really positive come from this and yeah, um, yeah. get and the full benefits from it. Yeah. Your experience can't be then whittled down to one score because like a kid that got a one may have grown way more than a student that got a five, you know, mm-hmm. like a kid that took the test that didn't think they could, they took the class as their first AP class and they worked uh, so hard all year and they improved so much in reading and writing and study habits and just all of it. And now they're going to take another AP exam, but maybe they got a one in the first one that they take, you know, and that then, you know, we've built up this whole thing of like, if you don't pass, was it even worth it? But it's like that, that mindset is, is outdated because that kid that got a one, that kid that put themselves into it and did it is so is so much better off having done it than if they didn't, you know? And I think that's just a really important piece that, you know, for any kids that are listening to this after having taken the test, you're waiting on your scores, you're freaking out because you're like, you know, is it going to be worth it? It's all worth it. It's definitely worth it. You know, learn, learn as much as you can, you know, and like try to get the credit when you can. Yeah. Again, like it's as much about the experience uh, as it is literally like the kind of transaction of taking the test and getting scores to then, you know, get credit. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we've laid a lot of groundwork of just sort of like, this is kind of like the, you know, foundation of um, advanced placement tests and sort of your work and how um, you kind of came to it. And Obviously, as a time of this recording, we are, you know, right in the middle of a pandemic that's been disrupting so many aspects of people's lives. So, you know, what are you seeing right now? You're obviously really plugged into, you know, the facilitation of this advanced placement, all of these uh, advanced placement tests and sort of uh, high school students as they're trying to, you know, cope with all these changes. So, you know, what are you seeing as the current impacts of the pandemic on, you know, uh, high school students as they're preparing for the exams, but also just like preparing to figure out what's next for them, whether that's college or perhaps Mm -hmm. something else because of everything that's going on. So I guess any thoughts on that of what you're seeing? Yeah, it it's a fascinating time and for so many, you know, and, and horrifying and terrifying and anxiety ridden time. And it's, the students are, are feeling all of that, too. Um, I think for a lot of kids, 
studying for exams this year has been just very, very, very stressful because, you know, of course, school is is closed and they don't have the the class environment. They're, you know, their teachers are, of course, supporting them remotely. Um, most of them are, you know, some teachers are having a harder time with that. And so some kids are feeling really, really isolated. But they also are just missing the the class review time. The They talk about like the inside jokes that happen in class. Uh-huh. You know, there's there's something about being in a classroom in review period that is, it's like, it, it just feels very, it feels, it feels so intense and, and very like passionate. Like it's, ex- it's an exciting time in a classroom when all the kids are reviewing for the test. And I think the students know what they're missing right now um, and are looking for ways to connect with other kids. And, and then on the college board side, of course, they've made the tests online and there's a lot of, a lot of opinions about that decision. I think the, the, the hardest thing is that kids and teachers are just really stressed out about the exams because of, you know, they're online, but also they look different. The, the content that's on the test is a little bit different. The way uh-huh. that the structure of the exam that's different, you know, what is it going to actually feel like while I'm trying to do this? Is my internet going to go out? You know, I don't have a computer. Like there's all these other layers that are just like swirling around students. And meanwhile, we're in a pandemic, you know? So for a lot of kids, their parents are losing their jobs or their families have been affected by the actual disease. And it's, you know, to have to then compartmentalize all of that and then study for a test. I think it's a, it's a really high bar. And so I think a lot of kids are really feeling the, the heat on that. Um, And then meanwhile, they're also thinking about next year and they're, you know, students are the most hopeful people I've ever met because they, they, they want to be back in school and they're, they're hopeful that next year we'll go back to, you know, as they say, normal. But I think in my perspective, I'm not sure what normal will look like next year. You know, I don't think anybody does. And so I think that that unknown is also a, a whole other like, you know, stress monster that's kind of awaiting them and their teachers. Um, kids that are graduating this year are are having to make the decision around whether or not to even go to college next year. You know, I think for some students getting into, you know, whatever university was, it felt like the end goal, but going to that university on Zoom is not what they wanted, you know? And so, I think they're thinking through what will college look like next year? Should I defer? Um, Can I even go to school? Do I have the capacity to? Does my family need me to work? Um, You know, I think there's just like a lot of different experiences happening. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, every like it is like in all of those things that what, you know, like your mind is just maybe going to bounce around and, you know, um, yeah. And I think, I think it can be hard for a lot of people because certainly, you know, teachers and all these people are going to be those helpers that are trying to, you know, do what they can to support their students. So, um, you know, because, yeah, I mean, it's there's no any one silver bullet here, you know, like any one right way in terms of how can any of us sort of um, 
cope with all these things going on because it could be for that student yeah who uh, is graduating they might have gotten accepted somewhere but they might decide to you know start in the spring or defer it all together you know take a gap year do something different or you know mm-hmm. go somewhere different than where they thought they might have uh, before um and yeah anything could be a good choice you know like as long as it's done you know really thoughtfully and um those sort of things so i guess like in terms of um for the individual student or for all the people around that student uh, supporting them, you know, what are your thoughts and ways that, you know, what can and should be done uh, to help try to mitigate those negative impacts of all those kind of disruptions and just sort of, you know, unknowns, which again, certainly some of them, there isn't anything that can be done about those problems to have any sort of immediate resolution, but maybe just the ways that, you know, folks are taking care of themselves or, you know, any of those sort of things. So I guess just, yeah, any, any thoughts from sort of your vantage point on, you know, advice that you might give in terms of, uh, you know, whoever comes to mind, the student themselves and, or, you know, staff, teachers, like trying to help kind of, uh, you know, mitigate these negative impacts. Yeah. So I think, I think that one of the most important things right now is, is like, you know, we keep saying the whole, you know, that we're all in this together and that we're not alone, but like, it's it's real you know everyone is dealing with the exact same thing and i don't know that we've ever experienced something like this you know especially globally for this long that we're literally all facing you know and so i think what that comes with is that the problems and challenges that are in front of you now are also in front of other people and that means that there's a opportunity then to to find other people and work together to solve those problems and so Mm -hmm. i think i think that is the it's the silver lining right of all of this that people will do that they are already doing that you know teachers are finding each other they're coming together they're and and they're doing that within their schools and they're doing that across schools and they've always done that but now they're doing it even more because what remote learning looks like for one teacher can look the same for another teacher and they can work together to figure out what the best strategies are going to be. You know, as soon as schools closed down, a lot of administrators did that. They collaborated across schools to figure out what do we do? How do, what are, you know, what is the next few weeks going to look like? What is the school year going to look like? And I would imagine a lot of that work is going to continue over the summer collaboratively. Um, And then from the student perspective, it's the same thing. I think that students, as they're, you know, experiencing whether it's going in back into another year of high school next year um, or going into their first year of college or going back to another year of college, like you're not the only one that's experiencing the same questions and new challenges that you are. And I think what's going to be important is that you you connect with other students uh, to to figure out what to do. You know, I think like as part of that too, I think everyone also is sort of dealing with just like, and and to some extent, I think this is a good thing, is like things don't have to look like they did before, right? You know, the same exact model doesn't have to be true right now. We need to find solutions that will work for this moment. And, and they might just look different than we thought. And so when you think about just education as a whole, it's not like it was, you know, working for everybody before, you know, like there was plenty of issues across the board. Um, and now we're just being like kind of forced to collaborate and problem solve. And so I'm hopeful that out of this comes just 
incredible innovations, you know, from uh-huh. any of those stakeholders. Because I think, I think there's just this like this this extra burden and incentive to to just like figure it out, you know, where in the past we've always had these conversations and these hopes and dreams, but we've never been just truly forced to come together in a way and problem solve in a way that, that we are right now. And so I think I'm hopeful that this summer we're going to see collaboration in the ed space across every school and every grade level, like we've never seen before. And that's going to then lead to some of the most innovative units and lesson plans and school structures and class systems next fall, next spring that we've ever seen, you know? Um, So I guess that's, that's my long winded advice, but just like, I think you got to work together with other people. Like don't try to solve, solve these problems on your own because you just, you don't need to, and you're better off working with other people to do it. Absolutely. Um, And I think too, just like having a little bit of like, patience and grace with each other, you know, because it's just like, especially for, you know, professionals out there, like they're balancing so much more than what they expected in terms of like, you know, childcare and work and everything else. And then, um, yeah, just like students, yeah, like in terms of like their families and so, you know, they might be in just in a very different space in terms of being able to like get get their work done in a timely fashion, those sort of things. Like if they're communicating and being proactive and those sort of things, like, you know, I, I would just hope on all sides, everyone's just a little bit more, um, you know, patient with each other. But, yeah. Um, and also just special shout out to every teacher with kids, because I have no <laughs> idea how you're, how you're doing, all, <laughs> juggling all of it. Like I'm, I'm just so busy and I don't have children and, and I just, I'm so, I don't know. I respect the hell out of all the teachers out there, like working so hard and having kids at home too. Yeah. Because I think, yeah, like everybody's already working at like sort of a lower bandwidth because like, you know, we're not able to maybe like have our little like, you know, escapes and treats and, you know, you know, you can't go like get a massage. You can't like these things that it could be like kind of pressure release valves for people. It's like don't really have a lot of those things. And there's all these other kind of stressful things going on. So, um, yeah, yeah, I was was thinking about that last night because I was because we're in such a whirlwind right now of, you know, it's exam season. And then I was like, I wonder, I need to like plan some kind of reward for myself. You know, once this is all done, like last year, my team and I went and took a trip to the beach for the weekend. You know, that was sort of our like reward. Then I was like, can't do the same thing this year, but you know, what can I do personally or what can I do as a team? And it's hard to think about like what to do in the pandemic to reward yourself. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like when the power goes out in your house and you keep trying to think of things to do. You're like, well, maybe I'll just like go pop some popcorn. Nope. Can't do that. Uh, maybe I'll just go watch a movie. Nope. Can't do that either. Um, exactly. Um, yeah. um, but no, I love that you mentioned kind of the that sort of like networked kind of approach to kind of all working together. Cause I think it's something it's, you know, I've just been geeking out about it a lot lately. Cause like, you know, folks will go to conferences or jump on like webinars and things, which, you know, certainly we're now kind of a wash in webinars too right now. But like, you know, there's always kind of this show and tell that happens, you know, mm-hmm. for professional development with people sharing knowledge, you know, and from one logical point of view, it's like, well, no, why are you helping somebody who works at a different school? And like, certainly like in higher ed, it's sometimes like, well, they're like a competitor. Like, why would you be like, you know, potentially mm-hmm. helping somebody else? But you know, again, people at conferences will do that kind of thing. Like they're showing how they did work and those sort of things. So the idea that 
a networked approach to all education because again, these are you know people who are committed to helping work and I have to believe and they should I think you know have the value of like positively impacting as many people as possible through education, whether that's you know putting themselves in a position that has a wider influence or, you know, yeah, collaborating with a fellow teacher to kind of Mm -hmm. get rid of some roadblocks that are getting in their way about how to, you know, utilize maybe a new kind of digital tool or something. So Mm -hmm. um, I love that you mentioned that because I'm definitely an advocate for that as well. I think that's such a great idea. Yeah. I mean, I think like just even in the last several years, I think some of the most powerful like professional learning networks and communities that I've seen are teachers that have been collaborating on Twitter or in Facebook groups or, you know, wherever else they're, they're forming communities and students are doing the exact same thing, right? They're collaborating and sharing, you know, stories, tips, tricks. They're even like writing all types of different, you know, study guides or whatever. Here's my notes. They're, they're, they are stepping up too. like the teachers know that if one of them has figured something out, then all of them have figured something out you know, and like, it's that they, they go to these different platforms to share what they know. And then the students do the same thing. If I have this study guide, I want everyone to have this study guide. And so what that's, that's what I think is so powerful that's happening right now, that it's just amplifying what's happened before. And that's, that's what on fiveable, like that's, that's the, the force that we're trying to kind of harness, you know, like, that kind of collaboration is happening and I want to make sure that that can happen even more deeply, you know, and even to hit more students, more teachers, like what does it look like if we're moving forward actually together, you know, and just like Mm -hmm. in a collaborative way, like there's just so much more, you know, innovation that can happen because of that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I think it's just such a, you know, uh, such a positive thing that, yeah, like you are in earnest trying to make that more of the norm, like just this idea and concept of, yeah, those kind of professional learning networks kind of peer to peer learning. Um, and certainly I think that can be just in terms of advice to try to mitigate kind of these negative impacts is, you know, say, you know, you're a teacher, you're any sort of like support staff uh, in a school somewhere, you know, checking in with students and seeing like, you know, are they utilizing these resources? Are they utilizing their, you know, their peers, because, yeah, it's such a great, you know, accessible, um, you know, sort of opportunity for them to be able to uh, get some really positive outcomes for, um, because I feel like sometimes there's just like those moments where, especially again, you're preparing for an exam and you're just like, I always feel like forget this thing or I can't figure it out. And just anybody who can kind of airdrop in and help kind mm-hmm. of unlock and it's like oh my god okay yeah i mean like is everything especially if it's like you know it's, it's math or science like stuff is kind of building upon itself and if it's like i cannot figure out this one concept and now you're sort of unlocked and free to then kind of move on but um so you know on that point any other kind of you know because i think it's just sort of the optimist in me or you know i think folks are trying to look at perhaps some of these innovations that are coming about in this, you know, uh, kind of unprecedented time, like, are you seeing anything that's kind of reassuring to you? Because uh, it, it builds on the, the, the idea of collaboration and perhaps anything else that's kind of um, a silver lining for you in terms of, you know, like you said, I mean, it, it's perhaps uh, kind of a mixed bag in terms of how people are responding to the, having the um, exam be uh, kind of uh, facilitated online. But, you know, for me, like I'm, hopeful that uh, this is really going to force people to be thinking through like how do we make sure that we're providing really good 
you know, kind of high quality learning experiences online and have really robust kind of digital engagement infrastructures, um, you know, after all this is over. So I don't know anything that you're seeing that you'd want to kind of give a tip of the hat to that's uh, sort of been reassuring as like a silver lining right now. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I, I, so I used to work in um, the like tech, like I worked in tech in our district. So like at my school, I was one of the like tech leads. And so I would help we were transitioning to having even just at that point we were giving Chromebooks to teachers and changing out some of the email structures. And I was tasked with leading my school in that transition. And that was, you know, several years ago. And it was a kind of horrifying experience just to see Uh how difficult it was for teachers to use very, very basic tech. And the, there was pushback, there was, you know, it was just really hard. It was like dragging people along and like people that were just refusing to even use a online grading system. And so their students wouldn't even know what grades they had until they were submitted. And so that was my experience a few years ago. Now it feels like, oh, it feels like overnight we've entered a new era. You know, like I don't, I don't think, I think this is like a lightning strike. Like I don't, I think this is going to lead to, uh, changes in education like we haven't seen since the 60s you know like like education as a whole hasn't really had a massive overhaul like since the 60s and Uh so but now every teacher has to bring technology into the classroom and that should have been true before it's because it's not just about I I need to I, I should use these tools because it makes learning you know this piece of history better. It's also like your students need to know they need to be tech literate, you know, like they need to know how to use Google Docs and Google Slides and Google Sheets and you know all these different like tools that when they enter into college when they go to the workforce, that those are the skills that are going to be important. You know, like I remember learning how to type in middle school and Uh I'm glad I did because now I know how to type, you know, and I don't even know if kids are still learning how to type, but they're definitely not learning some of these like higher level, you know, learn how to make a podcast, learn how to cut audio and video and how to build a website. You know, like there's so many like skills that you don't have to be studying computer science to have to learn these. Every student should be learning these types of skills. These are basic like tech literacy. And so I think what's happening is that as every teacher is now forced to learn them, it's going to trickle down to students. Because I think teachers, teachers teach what they know, right? Like if you grow up learning, you know, a Eurocentric version of world history, you're going to teach that because that's what you know. And so it, it takes something that pushes you out of your comfort zone. Um, you know, you then as a teacher learn more about a region that you didn't know before. And then you start teaching in your class. The same thing is happening with tech right now where teachers are figuring it out. They're bringing Zoom into the classroom. They're using Google Classroom. They're they're creating like very cool um, like ways for kids to collaborate or create all kinds of different things using Google products or other resources that they have. Um, a lot of teachers are now, even more teachers are creating YouTube channels than ever before. Uh-huh. Um, and so like all of that I think is, it's very good. You know, like we're, having high school, like getting through high school and not learning some of those basic tech skills is just like crazy to me, you know? And so I think 
what we're going to see is that as more and more teachers get comfortable with this, more and more students are going to get to learn how to do these different things as well. And that's going to be hugely beneficial for just the future of what, you know, what is it, what are the skills that matter the most that you need to learn? You know, I think these type types of tech skills are going to start to get embedded into, I hope, um, you know, different learning standards, you know, like we yeah. should make sure that yeah. they know them and that even like younger kids, you know, how like a little a young, younger kid in, in elementary school could make Google slides, you know, and they should, they should learn that at an early age and then keep building on that over time. So once they do get a job, it's second nature. Absolutely. Um, cause yeah, I mean, yeah, it's helpful throughout their coursework and then helpful yeah, when they go into the working world and, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's just stuff that would be helpful. Yeah. Helpful for anybody to have. Um, and you know, I think that this kind of segues to my next question as well, just in terms of like stuff you're saying maybe from any kind of like teachers, administrators is yeah, they're, they're kind of being, you know, pushed into, um, you know, this world of all these digital tools and platforms and needing to um, kind of get things done in a hurry. But, you know, I feel like some of it is just like, yeah, like the habit of keeping your learning management system updated with grades, you know, for each assignment as they come in so that a student has a good temperature check of where they're at and they can be more informed to, you know, work with the teacher on that. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, just having like updated resources on there so a student can kind of get things on demand and that kind of stuff. So I think like part of, you know, I'm not sure, like, just how much you're familiar, you know, you do have any sort of um, uh, insights, but just like, yeah, like, I'm sure teachers are uh, having to work on those habits of, um, you know, engaging more in those spaces and then learning all these platforms. Because I think, yeah, it's, it's this sort of rude awakening for the uh, systems that uh, did not properly prepare their sort of digital infrastructure of like, yeah, their learning management system, video conferencing, and like, you know, any sort of like community building sort of tools and yeah, like how they've embedded anything in terms of um, all those different uh, things that you mentioned. So um, mm -hmm. not sure if you do have anything about anything, I guess, in terms of like how you're seeing kind of like teachers and administrators coping with all of this from their um, sort of side of things. Yeah. I mean, I think the last few weeks have definitely just been um, just trying to like stay above water. You know, I think like when it all first happened and schools were like initially closed, I think some schools did a really good job of like taking, um, they had like spring break at the same time. And then they kind of tacked on a week or two so that there was a couple weeks that, that students were not, you know, technically like in classes and that gave schools and teachers time to plan. Um, and so the schools that did that have, have figured some things out. They figured out structures where, you know, you have to kind of embed like synchronous time where you can be on a Zoom call together, but also a lot of asynchronous tools too. You know, you don't you don't need to be on Zoom calls every single day to be learning, you know? And so I think a lot of teachers and schools have figured out structures that are working. A lot of them also just like this all happened really fast and they haven't yet figured that out. And they've been very much kind of trying to keep up or struggling to figure out what's going to work. And in that way, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of it has gone back to the teacher and then, you know, an AP, AP teachers are just incentivized by the exam as well. And so I think a lot of AP teachers really like kicked it into high gear in the last few weeks, just trying to figure out all the ways that they could get their students reviewing and learning and making sure that they covered all the material. Cause they just, they couldn't just be done with the year. Um, mm -hmm. And so 
I'm I'm looking forward to what the work that's going to happen over the summer because I think next fall what we'll see is just a lot more a lot a lot of just like different structures like even just even even just having your class on Google Classroom like you said like just just embedding some of those things in there makes makes learning more effective. You know, we've been talking about like flipped classrooms for years where your students watch videos at home of you or of other teachers. Uh, and then when they're in the classroom, it's more about the practice, right? Rather than lecturing in class and practicing at home, right? Just like flipping the whole idea of homework. And I think that is going to take a lot more hold, right? Because we're not going to come together in a Zoom call and watch a YouTube video together. Mm-hmm. You know, instead, we're going to, you're going to watch the video and then we're going to come together and and practice something with it, you know, have a discussion or, or do a practice essay together, you know, something around those lenses. And so I think that's like a kind of a fascinating thing where like that like flipped classrooms, flipped learning has been around for uh, at least a decade, I would imagine the like the idea of it. And now I think a lot more people are going to adopt that because it makes sense. Yeah. Well, in my, from my point of view, and I, I'm just not as familiar with like K through 12 or as much maybe with, you know, undergrad, but the, the space that I work in and online predominantly graduate education, you know, flipped is kind of the norm now. And I think it maybe it's just like continuing to kind of trickle down and certainly yeah necessitated more in terms of if it, I think is a, like you're saying, kind of the, the better way or, you know, the, um, do everything at this current time and moment. And maybe people are now seeing like, Hey, wow, this is like pretty cool. You know, this is a good way to, you know, spend our time. And there's absolutely no shortage of like great, you know, educational videos and resources out there now that you can, you know, uh, use for the asynchronous work and then have those discussions or practice uh, in person, like you said. So um, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. hopeful that uh, folks can kind of, uh, yeah, I get Cause it's like my worry. And I've seen this mentioned by some people is like, that certain changes will be made and certain things that they're doing now just aren't sustainable. So they fall off or they're just, they'll be like, okay, well I'll do this for now until, you know, uh, everything gets back to normal, but yeah, hopefully, you know, people, um, it sticks. Yeah. yeah. Everybody just, yeah. Like it sticks, you know, like they kind of stick with the habit. So, um, yeah. And I think that it's sort of like, it's, it just kind of goes back to like, we don't know how long this is going to be. And so I think, mm-hmm. you know, if, some miracle happens, we have a vaccine and, and things are that can actually be fixed in the fall, you know, then I don't know how long some of these changes will take hold. But I my my perspective is that a lot of next school year is going to be disrupted. And what that looks like, you know, we don't know. And every school is gonna adapt in their own way. But because I, I like my I really think it's gonna be at least another, you know, six months to a year of having to be having to adapt to this new normal and because it's going to be that long, like it's already feeling like, what, what did we do before? You know, mm-hmm. it's only been a couple of weeks and it's just like, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I think that things will stick. I think that people will start to shift because I think some of the new ways and strategies that they'll adapt are better because they create more, touch points, more like spaces for creativity, more ability to like keep track of your students and pinpoint, you know, data, you know, so like all of those things are, those are all things that tech can bring. And if you're using that, you know, for those reasons, then it does make your teaching stronger. You know, like 
there's nothing that's ever going to replace a teacher in a classroom. And we will get back to that. You know, like Zoom is not going to replace that forever. But there are also a lot of strategies I think could continue even when we are back. Yeah. Well, and the metaphor I always use, like my kind of geeky, nerdy brain is like, you know, sort of like cybernetic, like, you know, augmentation kind of thing. It's just like, yeah, because like the teacher is the crucial ingredient here. But like, what can we augment that person with to be able to, yeah, like in an an LMS, you know, track, did they log in? How long were they in there? And what did they do? Like, you know, so because sometimes obviously like somebody's not going to be babysitting that. But if you're like, hmm, you know, student X has been kind of falling behind in terms of submitting assignments. Let me see, like, what have they been doing in the LMS for that asynchronous stuff that we've, you know, set up in a flipped classroom and that kind of stuff, like, you know, and just kind of having that to better inform discussions uh, with the student or, you know, perhaps their parent or something like that. But exactly. um, So like teachers spend so much time doing things that like tech could help them do, you know, like teachers don't like, we think, even if you think about like automations, Automation is something like if you think about some of the platforms that help with that, a lot of businesses use automations, but I don't see a lot of teachers automating a lot of things that that are just like tasks that could just be easily automated, you know, like emailing updates, you know, like, hey, your kid has missed this assignment. So I'm going to automate this email to be sent out two weeks, two days after, you know, like things like that, like teachers spend a lot of time doing tasks that are very repetitive that if they embrace technology more, it can give them more time to then really be doing what they are good at and what they love, which is working with students, you know? Yeah. And like how you're saying, like when you're working with all of your AP students originally, like, cause I'd imagine, you know, one, like the kind of fork in the road, cause you're like, all these students are coming to you and saying like, Hey, I need help with this to prepare for the exam. You could have been like setting up individual calls with 25 people, or you can be like, Hey, I'm going to be hosting this, like, live stream this date and time jump in if you can but it's going to be recorded and on demand for you later and that's sort of like is so much more efficient than like you know yeah you set up 25 individual things or yeah you're like kind of manually computing gradebook things and you're trying to figure out like who missed what and then like individually write 25 separate emails to people about the 25 different assignments that they were like late on or do whatever you know like but yeah if there's nudges happening automatically based on like parameters that you set of like yeah if something's two days late you know and this many points and whatever you send this template email on you know right to these people you know like it's just like yeah it's so much more efficient and helpful because it's like oh yeah i forgot thank you so much you know automated message yeah Um, exactly and then the teacher can spend their time you know building creative lessons (laughs) and like talking to teachers and or to other teachers or talking to students so i'm hopeful that that is what stays you know, like that's, those are the changes that continue afterwards. Yeah. Um, well, I guess really quick as we wrap up, like, you know, you have this different vantage point than I think my kind of typical guest or, you know, uh, kind of audience. So working with high school students and everything, anything that you think that folks who are working in higher ed uh, should know about, well, you know, all these kind of things that we're talking about here, anything that you kind of want to like just crystallize, really kind of uh, solidify um, as kind of a final thought here um, as we wrap up the episode. I think for folks in the higher ed space, I think what I, what I think students and, and and even me would like to see and to, to see from the higher ed space in particular is I think kids are really confused and stressed and, and anxious right now about, you know, how am I going to get into college? What is it going to look like while I'm there? 
um, you know, like are you, like for them, they're in high school and so they're taking SATs and they're they're doing all the things that they were supposed to do to get into college. But SATs look different and APs look different and, you know, all these things that they thought they were supposed to do, they sometimes they can't. So even like some kids had programs designed for this this summer and now they've been canceled and different volunteer opportunities have been canceled. And so a lot of kids are just like, they're freaking out because what they don't know is how colleges are going to react, right? Is it going to be harder to get into school if I didn't do these things? Like that's what, what's happening for high school students. And so I think what could be really powerful are colleges who, you know, create ways to connect with high school students, like get, get involved in this process because I think this is an opportunity for colleges to rethink also how they are um, attracting students, you know, like why go to college right now? Like it's, that's a really hard question to answer and like which college to go to and is it worth it to spend all this money to do this? And I think where a college can show that it is worth it and can help ease students into, I, I want to go to the school and I know I can get into the school is just by creating content that actually like reaches them, you know, like rethinking how you're advertising, how you're reaching the kids and reassuring them, you know, like making sure that for any big school right now that high school students know that the school itself is adapting to this situation too, right? Because I think kids see what's happening in their world and they don't realize that everything else, everything is changing, if that makes sense. So like, you know, SATs get canceled and they're like, well, how am I going to get my SAT score? And I'm like, well, the colleges are going to shift too, you know, some plenty have already said like they're not, you can get in next year without an SAT score. And so that is confusing for high school students that have been drilled. It's been drilled into them for so many years that if you don't do this, you won't get into school. And so I think colleges can be a big part of of shifting the, the narrative a little bit by reaching out to high school students, you know, through social media platforms, you know, doing streams, putting out videos of just like, you know, this is going to be our new admissions requirements. This is what college will look like. This is why you should still want to learn with us, even if we're doing it online. Um, you know, uh-huh. here's here's our professors teaching chemistry, like see how amazing they are, you know, like there's ways to like kind of connect them. And so I think what, I I think that's going to be an important piece of this too, is that for there to be connections between high school and college so that higher ed can continue in, in a way that, that is also adapted to this moment. Um, Yeah. I think that's very good. Yeah. Just like kind of proactively be uh, engaging with your, uh, you know, admitted and incoming students, you know, yeah. uh, in the digital spaces. Cause yeah, it could be like you're creating content and just having that, you know, available on demand or, um, you know, I've seen a lot of just like, uh, and, and my sort of day to day doing, you know, admitted student webinars. So it's like, okay, like mm-hmm. you have been accepted, you, you know, you want to make sure that you feel really comfortable with this and being able to speak with current students or faculty and those sort of things. So yeah. absolutely all, you know, any or all of those kind of, uh, things, I think it's, uh, time and uh kind of energy well spent um so um as you wrap up um and certainly you know you can send stuff over to me that i can include in the show notes you don't want to kind of like you know precisely uh cite it uh right here now but um anything that you would just want to kind of give a shout out to in terms of uh resources uh that we can include for uh anybody listening to check out because i'll definitely you know just uh give uh 
sort of an emphasis. I know you're making stuff on Fiveable more um, open and accessible to kind of anyone and everyone, which I think is awesome. And that's, you know, so much what is kind of happening in the education space right now, which is definitely appreciated. So, you know, if you want to highlight, you know, what you have and anything else that you think would be kind of relevant that we can uh, include in the show notes. Yeah. So um, on Fiveable, you know, we've been focused on AP in the past. And I think now, just like everybody else, we're also thinking about how we can support a larger group of students and teachers. And ultimately, what we're building are collaborative communities. And there's a ton of content that we've already have that's all been created by students and teachers. And this summer, we're going to be just building on that more and more and more. And so, you know, thinking about just like a social learning network and how to connect all the other folks that are part of this. And so we're, we're at fiveable.me and we're going to be running, um, you know, several different programs over the summer to keep students engaged and to be supporting teachers in learning new um, pieces of tech, but not just through like PD, also just through like actually like building something together. Um, so uh, it's going to be a fun place, you know, over the summer now that, you know, of course, not as fun as maybe other camps may have been, but um, it's something. And so I'm hopeful that people will come through and help us keep building. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely have ways to connect with you and the work that you're doing uh, there at Fiveable down in the show notes. So um, yeah, just thank you so much for uh, your time and all that you shared. Uh, really great stuff and uh, just really great, uh, timely conversation. So I'm really glad that we were able to have it. And uh Yeah, just thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.